I've heard it said, and I believe it's true, it's, it's easy to be a dad, but it takes a real man to be a father. It takes a real man to be a father. Fathers, we celebrate you this morning. This morning's message, I, I've had it on my heart for almost a month now, and so if I get a little excited, if you are a guest and you've never heard me, I do tend to get a little bit excited. Every once in a while, I sweat. I'll take my jacket off. We are in a Pentecostal church, and we do those kind of things. And so if you feel like something is okay and you like what I say, it's okay to say amen. It is not out of order. It's okay to clap your hands. It's okay to even lift your It's even okay to smile. See, look, you all did it like almost at the same time. It is okay to smile this morning. We are here in the presence of a loving God. If you have your Bibles and you would stand with me, this is the only time until the end that I'm going to ask you to stand. So if you stand in the middle, that's all on you. And it will just make me preach even better, I think. Um, We're going to be turning to Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. Jumping into the middle of the, of the story, it says in verse 14, And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show them forth do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet, or he's just one of the prophets. But when Her- Herod heard thereof, he said it is John whom I beheaded, he is risen from the dead. But when John heard thereof, he said it is, but when Herod heard thereof, he said it is John whom I beheaded. For the next few moments, I would like to simply title this message, Men of Legacy. Men of Legacy. If you're going to preach with me, would you turn to someone and look at them and say, I'm going to preach with him? And if they told you that, you guys can sit down. If you didn't say it, then I guess you just have to keep standing up. And I'll know who I really need to preach to this morning. Looks like everyone is going (laughs) to... There's always one. Men, Men of legacy. I looked up the definition to legacy and and I wanted it to be something that was profound. I wanted it to be something that would blow my small mind. I wanted it to be something that would just, whenever I read the definition, I could almost say, now we can all come to the altar. But it really wasn't that powerful. It was just simply straight to the point. And the definition of legacy is something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or a predecessor from the past. It's something that is handed down from generation to generation. It's something that is given from the person that came before you. It's something that you didn't earn it on your own, but because of who you were and because of who you knew, this was handed to you. And and as I begin to study and I begin to look at what it meant to have a legacy, I begin to think about the phrase, like father, like son. Like father, like son. That can sometimes be okay. But whenever your mother says it to you, you're just like your father. You wonder where she's coming from. 
You wonder every once in a while, well, what did I do? Did I leave something out? Did I not pick up after myself? You, you know, it's, it's like father, like son. And so I wanted to know, well, well where, did this, where did this phrase come from? And I found that it's an ancient proverb that has been used in the English language. It, it varies slightly on the version. But since the 1300s, it, we found that, that people have been saying like father, like son. And sometimes it will even be so that we don't leave the ladies out. It will have the counterpart part that follows like mother like daughter so it's not just like father like son it it can be like mother like daughter and and I found that Thomas Drake's he he wrote something called the bibliotheca in 1616 and and this is what he said like father like son like mother like daughter so but even before the 1300s this phrase was used it's been around For quite a while in Ezekiel 16 and 44 it says, Behold, everyone that useth Proverbs shall use this proverb against thee. That's why it worries me whenever your mother says you're just like your father. Saying, As is the mother, so is the daughter. Ezekiel was written anywhere from between 593 B.C. to 571 B.C. So, At least 2,600 years we've been talking about like father, like son. So it's not a new concept. I am not bringing you something that you're going to walk out of here saying, I have never heard that before. I've never heard what he preached about this morning. You're going to walk out of here and say, I've heard that in my entire life. But hopefully you're going to walk out saying, but I like what he said about it. Have you ever looked, we were in Target last night, and it just kind of like really just made my point. And, and I saw a father and a son. I didn't know these people. I didn't know that they were father and son. But when you look at them, you know without a shadow of any doubt that that's daddy and that's son. They, they walked alike. And then the dad made a joke and he laughed and the son who was this tall laughed and had the exact same smile as dad. And I just kind of watched as they walked by. It was just like the mirror image. It was, it was definitely like father, like son. There are things that, that are handed down that we don't have any choice in. It just, it just happens. It's just who we are because it's in our DNA. It's, it's things that are a part of us. And if we wanted to be anything different, there's, There's really not anything we can do about it to be any different because it's in our DNA. We can't change the way we look unless we go to a doctor and have them change the way that we look. And and there are certain things when you smile, there there are just things about you that are handed down. And and even my my grandmother has found a picture, I believe it's of my great-grandfather, and and she was showing me of of my great-grandfather and me. And, And it's like they look almost like a mirror image except one was in black and white and probably still had a little more hair than I did in that moment. And, and I was in a color picture, but it was handed down from generation to generation. But I want you to know that it's more than looks, it's more than mannerisms. And I have a picture, Brother Justin, that's going to help me. And, and this just kind of made my entire point of it. it it's father, son, and grandson. And they're all standing with the same 
head down with their hands behind their back. It's just generation after generation of that's not DNA. That's something that has been learned and handed down. And, and as I was looking at this message, my wife gave me a, another point that, that I just kind of, it hurt me a little bit whenever she said this. I was sitting at the kitchen table and I had apparently probably had enough to eat that I was feeling good at the moment. Have you ever just ate and just felt good? It wasn't too much. It was just good. And don't say last night either. I saw that picture. (laughs) You were feeling just good. And apparently I was in one of those modes because she looks over at me and she said, you're sitting like your dad. And I was taken back a little bit because my dad had a way that he sat. My dad was not as tall as I am and he had a little bit of a belly and Every once in a while he had a lot of a belly, but he would, he would sit, and, and I'm just going to give you case in point, and, and he would sit and he would just put his hands and just, he would just rest them. You, you knew that he was feeling okay because he would rest them, and before long his head would just kind of go to this side. And, and apparently that's how I was sitting at the table. I guess it doesn't help that I've gained 30 pounds since we've moved here. It's, it's just, there, there's a lot. So, you know, Dad had a little bit, you know, of that. And he would just, and, and I'm just sitting there and I said, did you really just say that to me? That I'm sitting like my dad? And she says, I can't help it, you are. There are some things that it's, I wasn't trying to do it, but because it was modeled before me for my entire life, there are some things that I just, it just comes naturally because it's what you see each and every day. I, I, I had a picture and I found it, but it was, it was a little blurry and it's my dad. I took it at his car lot and he didn't know that I took it, but I walked in and I found him and he, man, he was just out. He was just asleep, and, and, I, and I just looked at it, and I said, that's exactly how I was at the table, except I wasn't asleep. Give me about five more minutes, and, and her not saying that, I probably would have been, because it was just one of those moments that you just, you just feel good. There are certain things that, that I you know, inherited from my dad. One of those things was not his hair. At 80 years old, This is probably one of the only times that he he hurt me beyond words. 80 years old, he looks at me and he says, My hair is starting to thin. I said, I don't even want to talk to you right now. I said, don't, 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 don't even start. Dad had a way about him, and, and he always had a comb in his pocket. I was going through my briefcase not too long ago, and, and I found some things that I got when Dad passed away, and one of those things that I kept was his comb. Dad had a little bit of swagger about him. I guess it was a little man syndrome because Dad came about right here on me, and so there were things you would take a picture and Dad would pose. He just, he just had a little bit of a weight, and, and whenever his belly, you know, it was kind of out there, and he would just, just kind of pose. And he wasn't worried that his belly was out there. And then he would get up, and, and he would pull out the comb. And, and he had the nerve to say to me, my hair's beginning to thin. When people look at me, I I told him, I said, Dad, you are talking to the wrong person if you're looking for sympathy. I mean, I love you and all, and I'll bring you banana taffy. I'll bring you as much of that as you want. We'll we'll do all of it. But don't 
try to get me to feel sorry for you that your hair is thinning when I don't have any hair at all. When people look at you, what do they see? When people look at you in the way that you walk or the way that you talk, what are they seeing? Whenever they see you in the store, do they see those that have gone before you? Or do they see something that you have decided that you're going to break from tradition and become something else? Do, do they see not only the things that are handed down through DNA, that are, that are handed down that you can't get away from, uh, do they also see the things that are handed down to you because they've been modeled before you? They've, they've been modeled before you all of your entire life. When people look at me... I don't want them to only see the mannerisms of the way that I sit or the way that I talk or the way that I move my hands. I want them to see the things that have been modeled before me. I want them to see the prayer life that was modeled before me. I want them to see the the walk of God that was modeled before me because it's not enough to just have it modeled before you. You've got to do it yourself. It's not something enough that we can be excited about those that have gone on before us, those that have lived a life before us, uh, those that have lived the life of God before us. Uh, We can't just be excited because they lived it before us. Uh, We've got to decide for ourselves. It's not good enough for me that daddy lived it uh, or mama lives it. Uh, I've got to live it for myself. Uh, I've got to have my own relationship. Uh, I've got to have my own walk. Uh, It's something that can be handed down. uh, But when it's handed to me, uh, I've got to take it. uh, and do something with it. You ever heard the phrase, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? I've had that said about me because apparently I have the same kind of sense of humor that my father has. He was talking to me and he was being really sarcastic and, and then he looked at me and he asked me if I catch on, do I catch on? And I said, Dad, I, I speak your language. I speak it better than I do English. And then he said, well, then how far did you ride? Catch on how far you're... See, he always had something to say. And, and there are things like that that are, that are modeled before us. And, and, and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But when I, I have my life and you don't know my father, what are you seeing that my life is portraying to the next generation? When we jump into our scripture text, we find Jesus has just been rejected at Nazareth. They looked at Jesus and they said, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not, isn't his mama Mary? We know who he is. Then why is he talking like he's talking? They looked at him and all that they could see was he was mama's boy and he was the son of a carpenter. And Mark even says, is this not the carpenter and his mother is Mary? They named off all of his brothers and sisters. And and we find that Jesus leaves this town of Nazareth. He leaves this area. And the Bible says something that, that bothered me and shook me. It said that he marveled. Do you know how much unbelief you have to have that you cause Jesus Christ himself to marvel? The one that knows all and sees all. The Bible says that he marveled. At their unbelief. What was standing before them was the answer to every one of their problems. But when they saw him, all they saw was the little boy that followed his dad around. 
He goes from there. He sends out the 12. And when he sends out the 12, then the fame of Jesus begins to spread. The, the fame of, of his name begins to spread. And, and he's not just uh, the, the carpenter's son anymore. He's not just Mary's boy. He's making a name for himself. And, and this is where we come into our scripture text. Uh, we find that the name of Jesus is being spread abroad. Uh, but when Herod hears it, he says, no, it's John the Baptist. It's the one that I beheaded. Herod saw the voice of one that was crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He saw the one that proclaimed, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Let me say this, and let me be clear, none of us got to where we are on our own. There's an old saying that if you see a turtle on a fence post, he didn't get there by himself. Somebody put him there. I want you to understand we didn't get here by ourselves. We've had a predecessor that came before us and said prepare the way of the Lord because there's somebody coming after me. There's somebody coming after me that's going to be more powerful. That's going to have more might. That's going to have more wisdom. We've got to understand we've got a legacy and we're not doing it on our own. We've got a legacy of power that dates all the way back to Jesus Christ we've got a legacy of might we've got a legacy we're not getting here on our own we've got a legacy I didn't get to this place on my own. I am the product of years of prayers. I've heard years of messages. I've been to years of revival. We this morning are benefiting from years of prayers that have went before us. Your prayers have gone before him as a memorial. They have not stopped. We are benefiting this morning. And I want to ask you, what are you going to do with that benefit? Are you going to take it and let it end with you? Are you going to take it and say, I'm going to take what you've given me and I'm going to go forward. I'm going to be greater than you've ever been. I'm going to be more powerful than you ever were. Why? Because you have lifted me up to a place and you've allowed me to see further than you could see on your own. I want somebody to understand we are standing on the shoulders of giants. Isaac Newton said it a little, a little better. He said, if I have seen further than others, it's because I stood upon the shoulders of giants. I have a responsibility to the legacy that was handed to me. You have a responsibility to the legacy that has been handed to you. You have a responsibility to what has been placed into your hands. My legacy is more than just the hair that I don't have from my dad. It's more than just the way that that I knew he was praying in a certain place at a certain time. I've got a legacy like that. But I've also got something to where it wasn't just my dad. It was men and women of the house of God that would come to me and tell me, I believe in you. I'm behind you. You can do all things through Christ, God's hands on your life. I want you to understand you can leave a legacy in someone that's not even your child. They don't even have to have the same blood as you do. If you're willing to put your hands on someone and speak life into them, you can leave a legacy that will forever change them. 
I could list the names of, of people that have spoken into my life. And, and none of you, I've, I've preached it before, you wouldn't know who they were. But I know who they are because they've spoken into my life. And they've put a legacy on the inside. And I'm not about to let it die with me. I'm not about, Brother Manning, to let whenever Sister Trammell came to me and asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm going to be a preacher at 11 years old. And she says, when you're ready, I'm going to let you preach. I'm not going to let that die. I've got to pass it on to someone else and say I believe in you. You can be anything that you want to be. You can be anything for God. You're going to be greater than I am. I'm going to lift you higher than I am. I believe that the greatest messages have not been preached yet. I believe they will be preached after me. Why? Because we get a greater understanding of who he is with every generation. But with that understanding comes responsibility. We are one generation removed from there not being a church anymore. But I believe that there are people under the sound of my voice. They're not going to let their legacy go to waste. They're going to make sure that they live on. And it's not just going to be in word. But it's going to be indeed. You're going to put your action behind your words. You're going to pray. You're going to fast. You're going to make sure that someone is following after you. I hope when people see you, they see the hands of those that have spoken into your life. I hope they see the ones that believed in you. It can't stop with you. You have to leave a legacy for generations to come. Warren Buffett said someone is sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. The person that planted the tree never got to see it come to fruition. But he didn't plant it for himself. He planted it for those that were to come. This morning, we're not here just simply planting for ourselves. We're planting if the Lord tarries. We're planting for the generations to come. I want them to have a house to come to. I want them to understand that there is a loving Father that cares about them. They've got to know that there's a place that they can run. They've got to know that there's a safe place. They've got to know that there's a place that they can say, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. They've got to know that I can get to him. They've got to know that I've got a father that cares. They've got to know. And if you're willing, they will know because someone is planting a tree that's not for them. I'm not sitting where I am because others have just simply looked at me and said certain things. I'm sitting where I am because someone spoke into my life and planted something that I am benefiting from. Can I put it this way? You hold the future of the church in your hands. When Jesus left this earth, he put his legacy into the hands of 12 men. 12 men. He put your soul in the hands of 12 men. That's a lot of trust. Who are you willing to trust enough that you'll put your children's soul in their hands. Are you willing to let someone else carry the burden that should belong to you? Are you willing, is, are you willing to say that, that they will pray enough? 
They will lead a good enough life in front of them. They will make sure. I'm just going to let them take this burden. No, there's got to be something on the inside of us that says it's not anybody else's legacy to carry. It's not anybody else's. I've got to be the one. I've got to speak. And it may cost me a little bit. I may not have all the right words at all the right times. But I'm willing to pay the price. I won't allow there to be a legacy of compromise or complacency. If it is with my last dying breath, I want it to be said that I am striving and I am leading for a life and a legacy that is filled with the power and an urgency to see His kingdom come and His will be done. Will your story be filled? Will your legacy be filled with stories of yesteryear? I love the stories of revivals that happened. I, I love to hear the stories. I, I, I love to hear whenever, you know, my, uh, the Brush Arbor days. I, I, I love to hear about things that used to happen. And, and, and I, I, I get excited and we get told those stories because it builds our faith of what God has done. And, and we get excited for the moment. But the next generation, they can't live off the other generation. We've got to have our own stories and tell them, this is how you build an altar. This is how you hear from heaven. This is how you hear his voice. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I've got to ring and echo the voice of the psalmist that says, Come behold the works of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with the works of everyone else, the stories of everyone else. I want my own stories. I want to be able to tell someone, This is what happened when I laid my hands on their head. This is what happened whenever I spoke the word of faith. This is what happened when I was just standing in Walmart. This is what happened at the gas pump. If you're willing to go the extra mile you can have a legacy that no one can question I'm telling you, you can have a legacy that's filled with prayer. It can be filled with an anointing. It can be filled with miracle signs and wonders. And it's all up to you. What kind of legacy do you want? What kind of legacy are you hungry for? Are you satisfied? Or do you want to have more of God? I'm hungry for more of God. Those that come after me. I want to echo the words of Jesus as well than, that says greater works than these shall you do. To the next generation, I want to I tell them you're going to preach greater messages than I've ever preached. You're going to see greater miracles than I've ever seen. I want to put them on my shoulders and I want to carry them to that next place and say I can't carry you anymore but I want you to know that I've brought you as far as I can and if you've done anything you can see further than I can. It's time for your own miracle signs and wonders. It's time for your own walk with God. We can understand. They don't have to be our blood. They can be someone that we care about that we're willing to speak into and say it's not about me it's about someone else it's not about 
whether or not you can trace your lineage back to the tribe of Benjamin. As far as I know, I'm only second generation apostolic. My dad was the son of a sharecropper. He was tied to a bed as a child because he had too much energy. He was beaten when he would ask for something else and say that he was hungry. He didn't know the love of a real father. He was a bartender. I told you he was this tall, right? He was also a bouncer. Tell me how, I have no idea. It's not the size of the dog, but the fight that's in the dog, I guess. But he would tell me stories. He was a bouncer. He lived a life that, that if we looked at it, Brother Jack, we wouldn't say that his lineage is just like filled with the apostles' doctrine. He wasn't perfect. I know I tell the good side. But without this side, we don't see how good the good side really is. But there was a day that troubles came his way. And a tall, skinny preacher by the name of Gerald Trammell, who would not take no for an answer, came and knocked on that door. And dad had a situation in his life with two boys that were sick. And he said, I've got to find that tall, skinny preacher. I've got to find the one that's knocking on my door that I would run and hide from. He decided that I'm not going to have the legacy of what was handed down. I'm not going to have the legacy of what everyone else has had. I've got to come in contact with the God that that man brings with him. He decided in that moment that he was going to change his legacy. I tell you this morning, I tell you that your past may not be perfect. You may not be able to trace your, your entire lineage back. You may be first generation. You may not even be in this yet. You may not have a walk with God. You may look and your life is full of abuse and it's full of pain and it's full of hurt. But I want you to know that it only takes one to change a generation. It only takes one to bring a revival. God doesn't take a he only needs one and one can break a generational curse one can change an alcoholic into a loving father one can change an addict into a loving husband and a loving father and an anointed man of God God only needs one I want you to know this morning that God wants to break every generational curse that you feel in your life. That you've had the voice of the devil speaking to you and saying, Daddy was this way. Mama was this way. That's how you're going to be. Daddy had addictions. You're going to have addictions. Mama and Daddy both suffered with depression and suicidal thoughts. You're going to have it. I'm here to tell you that God is going to break every chain. God is going to set you free. Why? Because it only takes one. It only takes one. 
The devil's afraid that you'll find out that it only takes one. That's why he's fighting you with everything that he has. God used Moses to march an estimated, of, an estimated amount of nearly 6 million Jews out of slavery from Egypt into the promised land. One man let them out when he wanted to save the city of Nineveh. He called one man by the name of Jonah. One boy changed the tide of a battle when he picked up five smooth stones and threw them and caught a giant in his forehead you're not too young and you're not too old there's a legacy and if you ever understand that it only takes one you can make a difference you can change a world the devil is so afraid of the power of one man of God in this house and I'll just say it one woman of God in this house that he'll send an entire army to kill every male child because there's a promise of deliverance you want to know why he fights you because he knows if you ever understand who you are and the power that's at your fingertips that you have more power in your little finger than the devil has in all this world that there is more for you than there is against you the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world but what about my past, Brother Greg? What about my past? What about it? Moses was a murderer. Jonah was disobedient. David was an adulterer and eventually a murderer. Maybe not at his own hand, but it was at his word. All of these men had flaws, but God used them all. There's not one man one woman, one boy, one girl under the sound of my voice that is beyond God using you. I want you to hear me this morning, please. You cannot be at the place that you are so hurt that he can't hear you, heal you, that you are so broken that he can't mend you, that you are so lost that he can't find you. I'm here to tell you this morning, I warred against this in the spirit. The devil tried to fight. He tried to tell me and I wouldn't listen I told him and I just said God I know what you've spoken it only takes one and if I'm that voice that says I'm only I'm the only one I'll be it but there's somebody that needs to hear me you're not too far gone You're not too far lost. You're not too far broken. I've been there where I had walls surrounded by walls that were surrounded by more walls. And then there were barrier caves in front of those. But I found one night that there was a God that said, I don't need the keys. I don't need any of those things. I'm just going to walk on through. And I'm going to come and I'm going to replace that stony heart. And I'm going to give you a new fleshly heart. I'm going to create in you a new heart. I'm going to give you what you've been searching for. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you back into the fold. I'm going to give you a legacy that you're willing to hand to someone else. You can start your legacy this morning. How can you say that, Brother Greg? I can say it real simple because this is something I've said for my entire life. The God that went all the way to Calvary will not stop at anything to save you.
He went to Calvary. He left you a legacy. And he's not going to stop short. That's why you, you feel him still. That's why you hear him. That's why there's still a drawing. You try to take it and you try to place it on the back burner. But God is reaching for you because he loves you. And those of you that are in this place and you're saying, Oh, but I'm not lost, I'm found. There's still a still small voice that's calling you to a closer and a deeper walk with him. Until we hear him say, well done we haven't made it until we hear him say it until we cross the gates of pearl onto the streets of gold none of us have made it and we've still got a legacy that we must hand to someone else who am I pouring into I'll just talk to me who am I pouring into this morning who am I willing to say that your future is more important than mine. I believe in you. I want you to see further than I could see. Some of the people may look at you like the people of Nazareth looked at Jesus. And they say it's just a carpenter's son. I know who your daddy was. I know your past. I know who you are. I, the, the police know your address by heart. They know your father or your mother's name by heart. That's your I know who you are. And let me tell you, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The people of Nazareth, they're still alive and well in this world today. I know who your daddy was. I know how he failed. I know where he came short. I know what this and I know what that. And I have come to tell you that I have a word from the Lord for all of the naysayers. And I echo the words of Paul this morning. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is a new chapter. This is a new chapter in your legacy. All of that other stuff was just a preface of what God is about to do. All of those other things were just so that God could get the glory. It's not about where you've been or what you've done. It's about God getting glory out of your life. It's a new chapter and God is willing to write it fresh on your heart. The legacy begins with you. Could we all stand? I like reading, I like, I like stories that have a preface that they build the story before you ever get there. So that whenever you actually start on chapter one, you kind of already have a feeling of who the characters are. <laughs> and that's why I'm okay with letting people understand of who I was before you see me of who I am. Because you see, I was a broken mess that I wondered if God ever heard me. I wondered if God really loved me. I would sit in the living room and I would watch services 
and I would say, God, I need to feel you like they're feeling you. And it would be like I felt even less of God. But that's just the preface of the story. That's just letting you know of the goodness of God. See, because I now have a testimony. I have a testimony that God never gives up. God never lets you go. God keeps reaching. God keeps pulling. God keeps loving. Even when I walked out, even when I walked away, even when I let pain get in my way, even when all I could see was the pain and the hurt, God said, I've been here the entire time. I know you couldn't find me, but that's all right. I've never left you. If you'll look back, you'll see that I was with you at all times. Your legacy is simply this. I've been with you in the bad times and I'm with you in the good times. You've got a legacy. I have not left you. I know that I titled this Men of Legacy but it's Father's Day and I wanted to start off kind of like, hey, it's all about the men. I believe we could title this just as easy, Children of Legacy. We are His children. We are the sheep of His pasture. You say, well, Brother Greg, I've not done all of those things that you've, you've said. I, I don't even know how to talk to God. That's, that's easy. That's okay. It's real simple. You talk to Him like you talk to your best friend. Like the one that is not going to judge you when you say the wrong things. Whenever you can't make sense out of it. Whenever you're just, God, I don't even know what to say anymore. He just looks down with a smile and says, that's okay. I know the thoughts and the intents of your heart. You know how much he loves you this morning? Before he formed you in the womb. He knows the thoughts and the plans that He has for you. And they're for good, not for evil. God's trying to tell someone this morning that even though you feel like you feel, you have a legacy of His love that if you're willing, just like the definition says, if you're willing, it's something that will be transmitted to you. Another definition was something that at a time of death was handed to you. Can I tell you that at his death on the cross, it was handed to you grace and mercy. to die to the flesh if you're willing to die out there's something else that will be handed to you and transmitted to you and it is the spirit of a loving father this morning I am looking at people of legacy I believe in you 
doesn't matter if I believe in you because he believes in you. My words may make you feel a little better. Oh, Brother Greg believes in me. But if you ever can get the revelation that God believes in me, that God loves me, bow your heads with me this morning there was a presence of God in this house and I am not mistaken I have no doubt I have no reservation in saying that the things you feel that have stopped you that you look at your life and say it's a generational curse it's a family curse God is going to break it this morning God wants to break he's not he's not going to cause you to forget the other chapters but you're going to be able to look back at those chapters and you're going to be able to shout and rejoice and say, look what the Lord has done.
Oh, oh.